Have you fallen recently? Have these messages in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, the anatomy of a fall, hit really close to home? You might be asking, well, what do I do now, Pastor Michael? Well, one of the great psalms of confession is Psalm 51. And I would encourage you to spend some time there and look at the heart of David and the heart of God. We'll delve more into what we do now, today, on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. What do you think the enemies of the Lord would say now? Oh, there's David. Yeah, the so-called man after God's own heart. Did you read the article? Did you see it in the, in the grocery line? The man after God's own heart. The, the hand-picked one, and who gets the blasphemy? Who do they blaspheme when this happens? God. So that is motivation for us to try to live the right kind of life. Now, when Nathan went to his house. He left David. And then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow, that's Bathsheba, bore to David. So the child was very sick, verse 15. Just what the Lord said he was going to do, he did. He struck the child. Now, I have no easy, comfortable words to share with you about why this happened. Because some of you are sitting there and you are thinking the same thing. Any reader of this is thinking, why the child? Why does the child have to pay the price for the parent's sin? Well, one thing that we need to do when we're studying our Bibles is to understand that this particular judgment is particular to David and Bathsheba. Because in the New Testament, there was a theology that had developed among the rabbis that if someone had uh, a child died in the womb or maybe uh, died just out of the womb or there was some sort of birth defect or blindness or deafness, then somebody had to sin. John chapter 9, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind, and Jesus said, neither he nor his parents sinned. This has occurred that the glory of God might be made manifest in this man. Be careful, because it's easy to sit in judgment and say, well, something sinful must have gone on here. Not necessarily. This particular judgment is, uh, just say, I'll just say it, particular to David. We need to be careful. Here's, an, here's a parallel example, or at least it's, it's an example that you can kind of take with this. The rich young ruler. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Does that apply to everybody? I hope not. I hope it's particular to the rich young ruler. Why? Because his God was money. And here, this child is going to die. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in thy com commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Psalm 119, 66 and 67. But now I keep your word. And so David therefore inquired 16 of God for the child. David fasted. He went and lay all night on the ground. The man who had disregarded and despised God now desperately sought God. You know, when we get the heavy hand upon a God, uh, 
of God upon us, when we suffer some consequences, it often drives us to God. You ever been there before? You ever had to look in the mirror and go, you know what, I've created a mess. And sometimes you have to go crawling back to God. And you know, God invites us to a throne of grace, not judgment, that we might receive mercy and help in time of need. Don't run away, run to him. In fact, that's probably, I would say, that's why his heavy hand's been upon you. And so David goes to God. He inquires of God for the child. He's praying. And the elders of his household stood beside him, 17, in order to raise him up from the ground. But he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. They were saying to David, come, you need to eat something, come. And David said, no, I'm not eating. I'm not doing anything. I'm staying on my face before the Lord. And they became concerned and he prayed and he pleaded for the child and he prayed and he pleaded for the child. I was listening to Dr. Charles Stanley, and he was saying, you know, when we pray, we usually talk about three potential responses from God to our prayers. He'll either say yes, no, or wait. But there's a fourth option, and it's from 2 Corinthians 12, and the fourth option is my grace is sufficient for you. You know, I don't know if you've put that into your... uh, Pot when you're considering the potential answers to your prayer, yes, no, wait, or my grace is sufficient for you. But sometimes that's God's answer. I'm not going to lift this from your life right now. You're just going to have to lean upon my grace. And I don't understand that. And David was a man after God's own heart, and he prayed, and he was on his face, and he was fasting. And praying and fasting is a wonderful thing to do, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to move God in your direction. God is sovereign. Sometimes we think, well, if things get really desperate, I'll skip breakfast. (laughs) Do you see me, Lord? (laughs) I didn't have my Eagle waffle this morning. I'm really tuned in. Well, I'm not saying that can't be a good thing, but I'm saying there's, this is not about magical formulas and pulling the right lever at the right time. God is God. And then it happened. On the seventh day, the child died. The child lived seven days. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. It may be that David fasted this whole time. It may be that he was on his face this whole time. They said, behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead since he might do himself harm? He's been so inconsolable. He he hasn't wanted to eat or talk to us. If we tell him the child's dead after him praying, perhaps for all seven days, what's he gonna do? Maybe he'll harm himself. Look, harming yourself is never the answer. Never. Because God is gracious. But they were concerned that maybe David might try to take his life. And there are many in our modern age that think that somehow that's the answer. That's not the answer. Suicide is not the answer. God is the answer. And so David was crying out. And the servants were afraid. And can I just say to you, David was a changed man. His circumstances didn't change, 
But David changed. Because everything that David had done in the adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and the year that passed was about him. It was about his flesh. It was about the cover-up. It wasn't about God and it wasn't about others. But now, seven days on his face, guess what happened? David was a new man. Circumstances didn't change. David changed. You know, David was acting more like Uriah now. He was showing honor and deference. The Lord had his attention. The servants were fearful. David sought the Lord. And when David saw that his servants were whispering together, <laughs> David perceived that the child was dead. And so he said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. And so David arose from the ground, 20, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Almost like Job. Job, after his terrible losses, what does he go do? He worships the Lord. David has a child die, and he goes in and he worships. And he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set before him, obviously, food, and he ate. David got up, he washed. He was a bit perplexing to the servants of the house because he kind of before the child died, he was in mourning as though the child had died. Seven days was a typical period of mourning after death. And it's like David mourned the child before he died. And it was perplexing to the servants. Why is he doing this? Then his servants said to him, what is this thing that you have done, 21? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And David said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. This particular verse has brought 2 Samuel 12, 23, a lot of comfort to a lot of hearts because it seems to indicate that when a child dies, a child can't really make a decision, a child that's lived seven days, a decision for the Lord seems to be in heaven. Well, some people would say, well, maybe David's just talking about the grave, that the child died and one day David's going to go to the grave as well. And so he's just talking about, I can't, he can't come back to me. He's not going to come back from the dead, at least not now. But I, I will go to him. Maybe he means I'll just go to the grave. But look, everybody goes to the grave. What hope is that? And by the way, in Psalm 23, David told us where he was going to go. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was going to heaven. Not because David was the best guy in the world, but because God is a God of grace and had made a covenant with David. Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. I know many of you in this room have probably experienced loss of a child. Maybe for some of you, it was a child before they were ever born. Maybe it was a, a child that was born premature. Maybe it was something that happened in the first couple of years. In third world countries, it's very common. 
Hey, listening family, I want to tell you a little bit more about the store at walkintruth.com, and I'd like to highlight a teaching we have up there. It's called The Anatomy of a Fall, and it's from 2 Samuel 11 and 12. How can we keep from falling to sexual sin in a culture like ours? Well, we've tackled this and put it on the radio recently. I know you can benefit from it. You can also pass it along to a friend. It's available in CD and DVD format. And you go to walkintruth.com, click on the store. And when you purchase a product, you are partnering with us to help us reach more people like you. When you buy something, it goes directly to paying for radio airtime. So walkintruth.com, click on the store and look for the anatomy of a fall. Purchase it, pass it along to somebody else, and you'll be partnering with this radio ministry. We appreciate it. God bless you. But I I will go to him. Maybe he means I'll just go to the grave. But look, everybody goes to the grave. What hope is that? By the way, in Psalm 23, David told us where he was going to go. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was going to heaven. Not because David was the best guy in the world, but because God is a God of grace and had made a covenant with David. Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. I know many of you in this room have probably experienced loss of a child. Maybe for some of you, it was a child before they were ever born. Maybe it was a a child that was born premature. Maybe it was something that happened in the first couple of years. In third world countries, it's very common that babies die because there's malnutrition and there's not the same medical sciences that we have here in the West. In fact, I think the, the mortality rate for children under the age of two is, is frighteningly high. I was on the phone with my mom this last week, and we were talking about uh, two uh, children that she had that she lost. My mom was six months pregnant in 1963, and uh, the medical advances weren't the same as today. And in 1963, she gave birth to Michael and Nicholas. Uh, One of them lived a few hours. One of them lived about a day, and both of them ended up dying. Uh, One of them was named Michael William Lance, which happens to be my name. I was born two years later. So some of you, I shared uh, a while back that, you know, I was talking to my mom on the phone one time, and she told me, reminded me about this story, and, and I said, Mom, the that boy had my name and he was born before me. And then I asked the next logical question, if, they, if the twins would have lived, would you have had me? And my mom, being honest, said, well, we, your sister was born later, but you know, to be honest with you, Michael, I'm not sure we would have had another baby had they lived. And I was like, gulp? <laughs> but here's what my mom said. She said, but I believe that you were supposed to be born and have this name because I believe that God had a plan for your life. And I'm like, wow. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why one lives and another dies. That's in God's hands. But I'll tell you this. And I'll say this. This is my personal view. I'll let you wrestle with it. I believe that God is gracious and that children that die are with the Lord. And that's, 
what I hold on to from words that Jesus shared in the New Testament about don't hinder the little kids from coming to me for to such as these belong the kingdom of heaven and this verse and a few others. So David said, I can't bring him back. I know there's lots of times when, you know, children and loved ones die this, this time of the year. I know it's going to be hard for some of you. You've lost loved ones and you know, you, you would probably say there's nothing I wouldn't give to bring them back for a Thanksgiving or a Christmas. And, and we can't. We don't control life and death. But can I give you some good news? There's going to be a banquet in the future that's going to be better than any Christmas you've ever had. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And a great reunion day is coming. And I even have hope that I'm going to meet Michael William Lance <laughs> and Nicholas and if I can speak for the two beautiful ladies down here a young boy named Bobby try not to cry 24 so David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her and she gave birth to a son and his name, they named him Solomon. By the way, um, just a side note, the baby that died, died after being alive for seven days. And Jewish families named the babies on day number eight because they circumcised all the males on the eighth day as a sign of the Abrahamic covenant, right? So it would appear that the baby never was given a name because didn't make it to the eighth day. Maybe there's something here with the number seven and the baby dying on the seventh day. Maybe there's something here um, that it didn't make it to day eight, but then a new child came. Eight is a number of new beginnings. I'll let you think about that, but David was intimate now with his wife Bathsheba, and a son did come. Uh, another son came, and his name was Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word through Nathan the prophet and he got a second name. We know him as Solomon, but he was also named Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. Just the names really quick. Solomon means something like this. It, it ties uh, to the idea of shalom in Hebrew. It means something like this, Yahweh's peace, or get this, it could mean, Solomon's name could mean Yahweh's restoration. What's interesting about that is, you know, peace in many ways is a restoration. We're at war and we get peace. And so what was the years that the locusts had eaten, if you will, would be restored through Solomon. We know the great leader that he's going to become, even though he's going to have his own issues. And then uh, Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. And I just wrote in my notes that maybe the message is, David, Bathsheba, I still love you. Yes, hard consequences have come, but you can start again. And I'm going to give you a young boy, and his name is going to be Restoration. His name is going to be, I love you. Don't give up. Now, I'm going to ask the ushers, we're about to partake in the elements of communion, to get ready to hand out communion. I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 51. And we'll finish this morning with Psalm 51. 
So please turn there. Please prepare your hearts to go to the Lord's table. And um, I just want to encourage you, if you're not sure where you're at with the Lord today, get right with him. And, and this, is, this is an opportunity, I think, going through Psalm 51 to get right with the Lord. So ushers, if you don't mind, just hold on one second. Here's what it says. Psalm 51, verse 1. This is a Psalm of David beheading when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So this is, this is David's thoughts after he's been confronted. Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the greatness of thy compassion, blot out my transgression. Blot out my rebellions. Wash me thoroughly, 51.2, Psalm 51.2, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. How many times David had to analyze and think about what he had done. How could I? What was I thinking? We've all done it. If only I would have. David says, my sin is always before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight so that Thou art justified when thou dost speak and blameless when thou dost judge. What you did, Lord, the judgment you gave, as hard as it is for me to take, is just your right to do what you did. David sinned against God first and foremost. Our sin is vertical. It's also horizontal, but first and foremost, all sin is against God. If David hadn't sinned against God, then this wouldn't have happened. Behold, here's the problem. I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin, my mother conceived me. David's not saying he was born from an adulterous uh, relationship. He's saying, look, I have a sin nature. That's my problem. I'm a sinner by nature. I was having a discussion with a family member about this, and we're talking about little kids, and little kids are so innocent, and how could they have a sin nature? I said, wait a minute. Are you thinking about the same little kids I'm thinking about? They come out crying, kicking, and screaming. They throw their Cheerios at you from the high chair. They spit out their applesauce. They're rebellious little creatures. And you don't even have to teach them to do it. You have to teach them to be good. All right, that's enough. You get it. Thou dost desire truth in the innermost being in the hidden part that will make me to know wisdom. Where does God want you to be true? In your heart, inside, in the innermost place that nobody else sees. Look, if that's right, the rest will follow. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou has broken rejoice. Lord, you've dealt with me and it's been hard, but I'm even gonna rejoice in the aftermath of your discipline. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. You said in scripture, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Lord, I'm banking on that. Create in me a clean heart. O oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let me start over. Recreate me, Lord, and keep me on track. Let me be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Verse 11, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I saw another man to whom this had happened. I went and played the harp for him. His name was Saul, and he was terrorized by an evil spirit. And the Holy Spirit left him. And I don't want that to happen to me. Please, 
Now, I believe in the new covenant. We're sealed unto the day of redemption by the Spirit. But David saw this happen to Saul, and it freaked him out. It made him fearful. I don't want to follow in his footsteps. I don't want this to happen to me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. We lose joy when we sin and cover it up. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my, my mouth may declare your praise. For thou dost not delight in sacrifices, otherwise I would give it. Thou art not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, O God, thou will not despise. Father, we're going to come to your table right now. Thank you for the Lamb of God who delivers us from blood guiltiness, who delivers us from every sin we've ever committed. We rejoice in our salvation. Forgive us for the times that we fall short, forget who we are, sin against heaven, and in your sight. Cleanse us, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness in Jesus. And I pray for each person that's about to come to your table, whether they're a believer, strong, walking with you, a prodigal, or maybe they don't even know you yet, I would just encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, get right with him now. You'd have no reason to take these elements unless you know Jesus. This is a celebration, a remembrance of his death for us, his crucifixion, his resurrection. If you don't know him, cry out to him. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Pray it right now. I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. I deserve judgment. But thank you that the Lamb of God took my judgment at the cross. Thank you for his resurrection. Thank you that you've created in me a clean heart as I and you've been praying at this moment, let me be born again of your Holy Spirit. I repent of my sin. I trust you and you alone for my salvation. Cry out to him, friend. Don't wait. Today's the day of salvation. Get right with him. If you're a Christian and this has hit way too close to home, just get right with him now. And he'll, he'll deal with your sin. He's already dealt with it. And he'll give you a new start. We love you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Hey, listening family, I want to tell you a little bit more about the store at walkintruth.com, and I'd like to highlight a teaching we have up there. It's called The Anatomy of a Fall, and it's from 2 Samuel 11 and 12. How can we keep from falling to sexual sin in a culture like ours? Well, we've tackled this and put it on the radio recently. I know you can benefit from it. You can also pass it along to a friend. It's available in CD and DVD format. And you go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, and when you purchase a product, you are partnering with us to help us reach more people like you. When you buy something, it goes directly to paying for radio airtime. So walkintruth.com, click on the store, and look for the anatomy of a fall. Purchase it, pass it along to somebody else, and you'll be partnering with this radio ministry. We appreciate it. God bless you, and we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.